Big Fluff. Maybe he had car trouble. Car trouble? Yeah. You know, car trouble. <laughs> He'd have to own a car, which he couldn't even if he wanted to because he has no money. He has no credit. He has no clue how to behave like a responsible adult. <laughs> which is why I can't get a loan because everything is in our name. <laughs> I can't even pay for school and finish my degree, which is what I was doing in the first place before I got dragged down here on spring break. But like you said, the sex was really, <laughs> really great. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. Uh, and we're starting off the month of February and we are looking at romantic comedies starring Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I I think if I remember correctly, and we, we did talk February, obviously Valentine's Day made sense to do romantic comedies, but we we're trying to figure out like a little bit more to narrow it down and I think, Andy, you told me, like, what about Matthew McConaughey? And I said, all right, all right, all right. I think that's exactly what you said. <laughs> um, you're like, did you think of this a long time ago? And I said, no. And you're like, you'd be a lot cooler if you did. Yeah. And then I also we were like, well, we're going to watch movies from the from the past. And, you know, we we keep getting older and they but still they say the same. Age. Yeah. <laughs> this movie still came out in 2008. Yeah, no matter what happened, <laughs> this movie will always be from 2008. Yeah, uh, which if it didn't, that um, was it like, was it the sidekick? What is the phone that? It's uh, a side. It's absolutely a sidekick. That, yeah. Um, <laughs> that Gemma, Gemma uh, Higginbottom or whatever her name Honeycut. was. Honeycut. Honeycut, that's right. Yeah, she's she's rocking a sidekick to text all her friends how lame it is that she's stuck on a yacht with her dad. In, in the Bahamas. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get more into that in a minute. But yeah, so we're doing Matthew McConaughey movies. Uh, we're starting with Fool's Gold with uh, the the classic rom-com pairing of Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson. They're a curtain goldie for a new generation, except not married in real life. Yeah. And one of them is their kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, well, and one of them is Goldie Hawn's daughter and the stepdaughter of Kurt Russell, so. Mm -hmm. And half-sister of Wyatt Russell? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We could keep, I mean, we could go play six degrees, um, yeah, six degrees of Kate Hudson. We could yeah. see who else we could tie her to. But no, we're here to talk about Fool's Gold. Um, yeah, so this movie, uh, what are their, so it's Finn and Tess. And they are going through a divorce. They're treasure hunters. And uh, she's already left, uh, you know, Florida. And then she's coming back um, to get a divorce. To finalize the divorce. To finalize the divorce. And, but he has been continually, doggedly pursuing uh, this lost treasure that they spent their whole marriage looking for. He finds a plate. He cartoonishly blows up the boat somehow. I've, you will probably talk more about that. 
Um, <laughs> but then uh, she reluctantly teams up with him w- with some help from her wealthy uh, employer. employer. Meanwhile, a <laughs> like gangster rapper played by Kevin Hart. Gangster rapper slash entrepreneur. Slash owner of an island. <laughs> slash uh, crime boss. Yeah. He's a crime boss who's living on his own island. Uh, also, possibly a lone shark. I don't know if that was explicitly clear, but he definitely loaned some money to... Yeah. He's a multi-hyphenate is what it is. Yeah. You know, he's a business man. As Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah, he's not a businessman. Yeah. He's a business man. So great lyric. That is great, great lyric. lyric. Oh yeah. No, for sure. Uh so yeah, so Kevin Hart is playing this guy who uh serves as the antagonist for the films because he Finn owes him a bunch of money. He tries to have Finn killed. Uh, that gets botched, and then uh he just tries to get to this treasure first, and it's a race to the treasure. And uh you know, hilarity and adventure and romance ensue. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a good synopsis of this movie. Um, for all I know, you could have been reading that off of IMDb or something, but that's that's pretty that's, much dead on what this movie is about. That was all from from this noggin right here. So well done, sir. Thank you. It's, it's A.O. Scott level uh, <laughs> movie blurbing. All right. So where where would you like to begin, Andy? Um, so I know it's tough. Cause like I had fun watching this movie is the short of it, right? Like it's, it's, it's pretty innocuous. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah, I'll say this movie has, it's a 29 on Metacritic. I think it's even worse on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that might be right. I went into this expecting just unwatchable bad like that's what you know i just thought i thought it would be because those are really bad scores and i definitely have my own opinion on the aggregator sites and their their usefulness but like usually when a movie has scores that low like that's a pretty unanimous decision by critics uh that it's not good and even the the user scores are not much higher uh it seems like clearly this movie was not beloved when it was released no, uh, it was not. And I had never seen it before. I, I assume you had never seen it either. No. Uh, and I, so I thought it would be very bad based on all of that. And I have to say, maybe it's because I went in thinking it was going to be very bad. That Yeah, I was charmed by this movie. It, it's more fun than it has any right to be. It is super watchable. Uh, it's enjoyable. All right, we're done. Good, okay, uh, hey, hey, week, hey we, found the, <laughs> we found the silver lining. It was seven minutes into the show we did it. Man, we're, I think we're getting that, that's better. That's a record. We're getting I, good at this. I think we're getting better in 2021. Like, we're we're pretty soon, uh, before Bankin, our theme song even hits, like, one of these days, we're just going to, like, just blurt out. It's going to go peak sloth, and then we'll just say the silver lining, like, right then, and we'll call it a day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, I think... I might even make the argument that rom-coms in general might be the most maligned genre of movie or like it has to be exceptional to get good critic scores. Yeah, there's even a lot a of the, even a lot of the beloved um romantic comedies tend not to have been critical darlings. Yeah, no, there's definitely a bias against the genre. It's also 
I think at this point, people, it's funny now because, you know, now we're post McConaissance. So, uh, but I think at the time people were getting a little fatigued with Matthew McConaughey. Um, they, and probably Kate Hudson too, honestly, like both Kate Hudson who, you know, uh, she was an almost famous. So she won in my eyes because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And she's absolutely brilliant in it. Oh yeah. She's. She might even be the best part in a in a great movie that in a great movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman and I think you're right that she is the best part. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I mean, uh, but yeah, so she she's been playing with house money since then anyway. But I and think Francis McDormand's in that movie too, and that's true. Yeah, uh, but you know what I mean. So I think Kate Hudson has kind and of and so play- is Patrick Fugit. He's in that movie. Okay, are we just gonna list all the great people? Um, what's the what's his name? The um, Jason oh, Lee. No, who's the lead singer guy? Uh, Billy Crudup. Yeah, thank you. Billy Crudup is who I was trying to think of. He's also great. Zoe Deschanel is the older sister. and Oh, man. Yeah, like Zoe Deschanel back before she was like new girl Zoe Deschanel when she used to play more, uh, just like more varied characters, I think. I think she's kind of like found a niche that obviously has yeah. been very uh, lucrative for her, but she used to take some different uh you know types of roles and i and i kind of miss that a bit because I, I love her character in almost famous like she's really mm-hmm. great I, I mean i like her in general i like her in, i think new girl's a, a wonderful show oh and... yeah, yeah no and that's not yeah i'm not like bad mouthing any of that i'm just saying that it's like it seems like she almost but she's found her cast yeah sure. she's a lane or typecasting or something and i it's if you watch some of the older stuff uh that she did which even elf i would put in that where she used to there used to be like a bigger uh, yeah, variety of roles that she would play. That seems she wasn't play. just a manic pixie dream girl variant, a la Five Hundred Days of Summer or The New Girl. Right. So, yeah. um, all of that to say, I think people probably came into this movie with an axe to grind. Is is my honest opinion? Which is not to say, I mean, we'll we'll talk about the movie. Like, I'm not. I'm. Don't get me wrong. I'm not coming in here saying like this movie. Mark Maron has a cameo in Almost Famous. <laughs> he locked the gates. Sorry. <laughs> So what he says uh, at the beginning of all of his podcasts, he's the lock the gates guy and almost famous. Yep. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but no, yeah. And I think you're right. I think people were going in expecting not to enjoy the movie and, you know, didn't come at it for, with fresh eyes. I think is probably pretty accurate. Yeah. But I it's don't not think, a good movie. It's not a good movie, but I also think it got uh, unfairly maligned. So I, I it's it's not a 29 on Metacritic. Yeah. You might say it's the perfect fodder for a podcast that looks for the silver linings and unfairly maligned movies. Yeah, which I'd love to give us more credit for. But, uh, you know, a lot of the searching was what Matthew McConaughey rom-coms are easily found on streaming services. And so and we did it. Yeah. OK, so we got that out of the way. Uh, we said it's fun. But yeah, we should probably dive in. Maybe maybe some of the, like I said, I, I think there's some unfair stuff having to play, but there's also some, you know, this movie's not perfect. It's got some issues, so maybe I'll let's, start, yeah. I'll start with one major quibble, and this, it's, it's a quibble because it really t- stood out to me and took me out of the movie in a lot of ways, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not so bad, but Andy Tennant, the director, or whoever the casting director was, seemed adamant in casting people with distinctive voices playing characters that spoke with accents that weren't their own. And yes. it feels like they didn't hire a dialect coach. And that really bugged me. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say it. I think you're tiptoeing around it, but I, I'll more emphatically say that, look, Donald Sutherland is great. 
Donald Sutherland has done a lot of really brilliant work. Uh, you know, I, I'm a huge fan. Molly is an even bigger fan of Donald Sutherland. Uh, but uh, I don't know why the British accent for him. Yeah, that's I, that's one. And then um, uh, Ewan Bremmer. Who, who has a very distinct Scottish brogue. Yeah, like for some reason. He was one of the least intelligible in the train spotting movies. Yeah. And he's playing a Ukrainian character. For no reason. There's nothing there's no reason the guy needs to be Ukrainian, but he is. Yeah. Um Malcolm Jamal Warner, who is a fairly well known actor. I mean, you know, part of one of the biggest sitcoms of all time, uh, community. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but he kind of does some version of an island accent. He seems uncommitted to it's not as bad as when we did Jaws the Revenge. Oh, it's not as bad as when we did Jaws the Revenge. No, but 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 it's it's, he seems like you said it's more. I actually think the accent's pretty good. It's just it's inconsistent. Like he's not always doing it. Uh, Also, was Ray Winstone doing an accent? I feel like sometimes. Yeah, he was. I think he was trying to do like a southern accent. But he was trying to do like a Florida accent, but badly. And Ray Winston has one of the best voices in Hollywood. Yeah, just. The way he like it's such a distinct East End Cockney. I'm gonna bite your nose off if you try to mess with me. Accent. Well, let's also and, not forget that Ray Winston uh, enters our, uh, you know, sort of. He's a two timer. He's a two timer uh, because he's in Cats. <laughs> he is uh, in Cats. Yeah, which just will always be funny to me. But yeah. uh, in a not dissimilar role to this in a lot of ways. In both movies, he's on the ocean most of the time. <laughs> like, you know, he's in a body of water on a ship menacing, you know. People. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the accents are not good. I'm not going to try to defend that. I, it was very confusing. And it was just like, there's no reason that you and Bremner it was had to be Ukrainian. One, his name is Alonzo, which is not a common unique Ukrainian name. Yeah. Um, to like, if you want a British guy, like Michael Caine was available. Yeah. Michael Caine, again, I don't know why, I guess we're going to talk a lot about Jaws the Revenge in this, but I mean, he's made it clear that for a paycheck, he'll do your Island movie. So, and I'm pretty sure actually, well, no. Okay. So, he might have been doing some Batmans at this He might have been. Um, but uh, Nigel Honeycutt is in the first five minutes of the movie, and he's in the last scene, so he meets the Michael Caine criteria for doing a movie. That is true. I, I also, I mean, would you have cared if Donald Sutherland played Nigel Honeycutt and he just spoke with an American accent? Would have, I think Not in, even a little bit. In all of these cases, if they just used their normal accent, nothing would have been lost or gained. <laughs> Like, it would have been fine. There was nothing inherent about any of those characters, you know. And certainly, this is a movie where... And look, I love Matthew McConaughey. We're going to spend a whole month talking about him. But, like, certainly he wasn't doing an accent. Like, you're getting all McConaughey. (laughs) You're getting full McConaughey. He is from... Even underwater, he's somehow McConaughey. Yeah. So... Yeah, just let let everybody do their own voices. Also, I mean, you Donald Sutherland is British, but his daughter isn't doing an accent. So no, yeah. Um. So that's you that's know who would have been thing. great. Sorry, because you said Michael Caine, Bill Nye would have done this. Bill Nye would have done this for sure, and yeah, would have been no a doubt. good Nigel Honeycutt if that was important to you. If you're set on having it be a British actor or having him have a British accent, yeah, Bill Nye would have been great. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a host of 60-plus-year-old British actors that I'm sure would have done this movie. Yeah, no, totally. Um, You know, it. so it just, it just didn't... It was just so... And it, every time one of the characters... One of those characters spoke. I'm like, why? Yeah. Um, speaking of Ray Winstone, though, um, one of the weird plot holes is like, it starts out as he's like kind of a secondary antagonist. And then for no reason whatsoever is their ally. Well, yeah. I mean, we're given a backstory that he apparently taught them everything because that is explained. Right. He was a mentor. But I agree with you that we never quite see the uh, the pivot. Like we, whatever caused them to him to want to help them again is not on screen. Like it just he just makes that choice. It like I can kind of get there in that. Obviously, he's aligned himself with people who are trying to kill them, and maybe that was aligned too far. But in a weird way, they do that arc better. With the other, not Malcolm Jamal Warner, uh, Brian Hooks. Um, yeah. His character has more of an on-screen change of heart about the way that they're treating Fenn than the guy who needed that arc. There, right. yeah, there's definitely some of that. There's also... Uh, I thought it was kind of weird that, to go back to Alfonso, with Gemma, the daughter... It seemed like at the end they were together. And I was like, when did that happen? Like in the very last shot, they're kind of like, you know, they're they coupled to, up. They're coupled up. And I was like, that is that was never even teased in this movie. Like, I mean, he was hitting on her hard, but she was also had a huge lady boner for the McConaughey. Which is understandable. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't have a lady boner for Matthew McConaughey? Let's be honest here. And he is shirtless throughout this thing. I mean. Yeah. he. I don't even think he had a shirt at all. Yeah. I I think Matthew McConaughey owns fewer than five shirts. I'm just going to throw that out there as a possibility. (laughs) The just... It reminds me, you mentioned Community. It reminds me of a Jeff Winger line from (laughs) Community that it's amazing that he hasn't died from a lack of service. Because he has no (laughs) shoes. He has no shirt. (laughs) uh in reference to vaughn which is a very much matthew mcconaughey character but oh yeah very very mcconaughey-esque yes uh but yeah mcconaughey this is full like honestly this movie is probably the closest in anything that i can really remember to just like what i actually imagine matthew mcconaughey is like in real life in that you know, I mean, there's a lot, you know, you could talk about Wooderson or you can talk about some of the other stuff. But this is a guy who is sort of coasting through life. Uh, and it's he, just very like id focused. And yeah, yeah, very id focused. Never wears a shirt. Always just wants to be in the ocean. And when Kate Hudson is trying to explain why she married him, the continuing theme that always comes up is that even though he's a train wreck in every other way, the sex was amazing. Which they yeah. can really turn it out, which. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you got that uh, for sure of just like he's McConaughey at peak McConaughey for sure. He was a set of bongo drums away from just playing himself on screen. Yes. And it, and that's some of the when I talk about the charm of this movie, a lot of my favorite stuff was just like when. So when they try to kill him, 
And he ends up getting the upper hand on both of the guys. He shoots one in the foot. He shoots the other in the ear. And then he kind of goes into the water tied to an anchor, but he's able to free him. He fires a weapon underwater, which is where's Mythbusters to to break that one down for me? Because that felt like, you know, I, I don't know about. But the gun probably wouldn't have worked. Right. That would be my guess. Uh, but I won't know until Adam Savage does it for sure. Yeah. But, uh, no, I love that when he escapes from that, he's just floating in the water and then, uh, a bunch of just punks find him and toss just him a beer. Spring break bros just pick him up on their speedboat. And- yeah. Anything that just revolved around, even the way that he sort of charms himself to Donald Sutherland and, and obviously Gemma, the daughter, uh, is all just... You know, full just McConaughey just being charismatic and just floating through life. I'm kind of realizing as we're talking about this, he kind of would be an amazing dude type of character. Like if anyone ever wanted to make a, another big Lebowski type of movie, but with McConaughey, he would really excel at that. Yeah, I mean, I think. And you get the sense because like I, I'm a huge McConaughey fan. Uh, I, I love that we're doing this month Um, and like watching interviews with him like he's a fans he's a fascinating dude just oh yeah um like if you haven't he does an episode of that uh uncomfortable uncomfortable conversations with a black man with emmanuel acho that's really interesting um he did another interview i might have been with like stone cold steve austin where they just chatted for a while because he was a big wrestling fan back in the day he's i think he still is like yeah he's a big wwe fan i know like he's always backstage at wwe stuff i think he popped up in the undertaker documentary too yeah that and that might have even been where i saw it but like he he was telling stories about going to world-class shows in east texas growing up and yeah yeah um and it just seems like a like just seems like a cool dude no for sure yeah no i I would i would i would there's a lot of mega stars that'd be like yeah i don't want to hang out with them but I like their work. He's someone I probably, I, I feel like I could hang. I feel like it'd be fun hanging out with him. Yeah. No, if he, if he and Woody ever want to invite us over to like play some bongos and pop our shirts off, I think we're both down for sure. Yeah, Tarps off, baby. Let's, <laughs> let's go until the cops show up. We're, we're down. We don't need service. If we're hanging out with Matt and Woody. <laughs> uh, all right. But yeah, so man, we really are like, we're just silver lining after silver lining on this thing. Jeez. But, um, I look, I'm going to, I got one that, that okay, and great. look, I, I love Kevin Hart. I really do. I think he's hilarious. Uh, I'm a fan of his comedy. I'm a fan of his acting. I really love the stuff that he's doing more recently. Uh, I even have seen Kevin Hart play a rapper in something that I really loved, which is party down. Uh, he played, it's it's a great episode of party down with JK Simmons in it. Uh, where he's supposed to do a birthday party. It's he's wonderful. Oh, that is a great episode on the boat. Yeah. Uh, also it's on, on a boat. boat. Yeah, too. yeah. Uh, he's great at that. He is weird casting for this part, though, because this character is written as like Suge Knight, and mm-hmm. he needs to be the heavy in this movie. Like he's the guy that everyone is kind of terrified of. That and it also it needs to be that because. It's sort of for the McConaughey uh, character building and sort of explaining what went wrong with him and Kate Hudson is the idea that he would be dumb enough to get himself, you know, indebted to this guy to to have the the targets from, you know, this dude on his back. 
uh, everyone sort of in the movie agrees, like, what are you thinking? You know, don't don't mess with him. But then it's Kevin Hart and he's not like like Kevin Hart is not intimidating in this movie, but he's supposed to be. Right. And it wasn't played for like, oh, look, it's a, a big guy called Tiny or a tiny guy called Mr. Big. Like it wasn't played that way. Uh, and I think I guess to a couple just slight tonal inconsistencies in the movie, I feel like held it back a little bit. Um, I here's my hot take on Kevin Hart. Uh, I actually enjoy him more as an actor than I do as a stand up. OK. Oddly enough. Interesting. I think I, I think I mean, you don't get to be as successful and famous as a stand up comedian and not be really funny. And I think he is really funny. But I actually, I don't know. I enjoy him more as an actor than I do as a, as a stand up. Just interestingly, I'm probably in the minority of that. But I, I mean, certainly I he's, a, I mean, he's a guy who does stadium shows. So I would think, yes, you're probably. Yeah, he doesn't do st- he doesn't do stadium plays. So that's uh, pretty accurate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I. Like I said, I, I like him, but I, you know, this, uh, we were talking about this uh, before we did this show. This feels like this should be, and may he rest in peace and I miss him dearly, like Tiny Lister should be playing this Would have been part. perfect. Or I miss him, <laughs> may he rest in peace, Michael Clark Duncan would have been. Would have been perfect. Yeah, like you just need a dude who, you know, when he gives an order to have McConaughey killed, you know, that you understand why malcolm jamal warner and the other guy would not want to have to come back to this guy and explain to him that they didn't kill him (laughs) you know like you you need a guy that immediately and again shaquille o'neal yeah shaquille o'neal would have been great uh and tiny lister is a great example uh and because he's probably in the dark knight rises for if it's five minutes i'd be surprised but literally does that in one scene with like one line needs to convey to you. I am someone that like has the ability. not to be trifled with. Yeah, I am not to be trifled with you like you will defer to my authority. <clears throat> now, if if the Dark Knight was a bad movie, but Tiny Lister gave the exact same performance, he would be one of the silver linings like oh. that's. No, he already great. might be anyway, because <laughs> yes. like, that's how good he is in it. Um, no, but yeah, see, it, it felt weird. And like you said, I mean, there, there's a version of this that could have made sense that it was Kevin Hart, but then you needed to heighten that. Like, it wasn't silly enough. And in fact, it's kind of weird because there is a scene where like uh, he's trying to kill them, which is not really played for laughs because he really is trying to kill them. But then Kate Hudson hits him in the crotch with a shovel which seems to be comedic, but like it's it can't quite decide in that moment if the scene is comedic or if it's serious, if they're in danger, because then seconds later, they do a fake out where Kate Hudson and everybody else thinks that McConaughey died, you know, so we're definitely like the playing third time this. in the movie. Yeah, he he's yet left for dead, which honestly, and it, I did laugh and, you know, everything that I just said about Kevin Hart, his delivery of the line that was something akin to like, how many times do I have to kill this guy did actually really make me laugh. Uh, but yeah, like there's definitely some stuff like that. Like he, he did stand out to me as this kind of odd choice and- for the way the character was written and they didn't adjust the writing to him if they, when they cast him. Right. And it, it's, it would make it a very different movie. And I don't think it would have played as well in this sort of romantic comedy adventure hybrid movie. If like, cause you can have a small guy be intimidating and be that guy, but like, you would have to be really sadistic. 
Yes. And that just that just wouldn't that would have been even more tonally off for this movie if they had done that if they had gone that route. Um but yeah, or the other thing could have been like or if there's even someone like voice of reasoning it like wait, why are we scared of this guy? Like he's like that could have been like something that uh you and Bremner's character could have kept putting out there. It's like in a bad Scottish Ukrainian accent. You know, it's like why are you he's so little? Uh, you know, there, there's some, there's something off there. I agree a hundred percent, but at the same time, Kevin Hart is an enjoyable presence and. Oh yeah. I didn't mind him in the movie. I just thought he was straight casting for what was being asked of him. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Um, and that's sort of like the other thing I was kind of talking about with ways this was maligned, um, is just like. This movie had a like it was trying to blend genres a little bit with like romantic comedy aspects, sort of adventure capery aspects. Um, and that probably makes hard. it hard. It's difficult to pin down because, yeah, I, I thought this movie would be more of a rom-com. It's yeah, a lot like it's not tonally dissimilar from like the National Treasure movie that we watched in a lot of right. ways. Uh, it's maybe a little more directly played for laughs, but. It's a madcap caper in a lot of ways. Yeah, to the point that I definitely, towards the end, I found myself wondering that because I, I felt like the different genres uh, have different expectations in terms of Kevin Hart and uh, his, you know, his men, like if they would be killed or not. And they, you know, like it's sort of left a little ambiguous with, with Kevin Hart, but certainly like the one guy, you will, Malcolm Joel Warner is definitely killed. He gets offed. And uh, the really other- unceremoniously and, and it's sort of dark for the movie just gets just straight up shot. Yeah. Like he gets shot. And then the one like guy that shoots him, that's brought in to be the more intimidating guy. Uh, he is killed. But yeah, those felt uh, like if it was more of an action movie, you would expect it. But if it was a rom-com, you, w- you wouldn't expect people to be getting off. And so like I did find that a little strange in terms of what to expect in those moments of like, do we want them to die? Do we, do we want Kevin Hart to like face a grizzly end? do we want him to survive? Do we want him to have a change of heart? Like what actually is change of heart? I, yeah, I didn't even do that on purpose. Uh. Um, yeah, like and granted, cause this movie was kind of trying to meld genres. It, it felt like it had a hard time like staying in a lane. Has anyone ever pitched a body switching movie called Change of Heart with Kevin Hart in it? It could be him and The Rock because I love when him and The Rock work together. Yeah, that would but, be. But yeah, you call it Change of Heart, and it's uh, honestly they could be the and it's you, and if they could be The Rock and Kevin Hart. I was gonna say I wouldn't even write characters. You call it Change of Heart, and they just they switch bodies, and Kevin Hart has to do a return to WrestleMania like match. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, definitely. Oh my God, this. And The Rock has to do a stand-up stand up. set, like, in a coliseum. Yeah, he has to do, like, a, like a you know, Houston Astrodome or... Yeah. Wembley At, Stadium or something. Yeah. No, change of heart with The Rock and Kevin Hart. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That might be our first pitch for That's the first pitch for 2021. And All I think right. it's, 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 it's up there with the best pitches that we've had. It, I mean, it's up there in terms of excuses to print money. For sure. Like, are you kidding me? I can see those box office returns. So again, Hollywood, if you want a movie that is going to be number one at the box office, if it's not up against a Marvel movie and, you know, probably stay in the top five for about five weeks back when theaters get open again. um, 
change of heart. Come holler at your boy. Yeah. Holler at your boys. Man, I'm just change picturing Kevin Hart like doing a rock bottom and a people's elbow to someone. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's good stuff. <laughs> um, okay. Well, where are we at? Where are we? I don't care. No, I want to keep talking about change of heart. Like, okay, sure. What else you got? You know, there's just like you see the you know the Rock as Kevin Hart or Kevin Hart as the Rock parenting the Rock small children and <laughs> oh, just all of it. Yeah. No, this God, I want the, I want this. I'm I want this movie to happen. Let's let's do this, Hollywood. Holler at your boys, like I said. <laughs> Anyways, back to the back. To, okay, no, sorry, I was just in the moment. That was that was that's a good pitch. It really is, man. No, it's a I, really good pitch. I really want to write that, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm in. I'm so in. Um, anyways, and the, the so then like, The Rock as Kevin Hart just cuts a wrestling <laughs> promo for the stand-up special. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he like, definitely. You Rudy Poo Candy, yes. And like Kevin Hart has to make people laugh. Because he can't physically overpower them as The Rock. So he has to really lean on the comedic side of, you know. Yeah. And they both learn something. The Rock learns uh, because that's what it is. You know what it is? At the beginning of the movie, they're having a conversation and they kind of don't respect what the other one does. Where they're just sitting there going like, The Rock's like, man, I what are you talking about? Like, I, I main evented WrestleMania. I know what it's like. To like have a crowd in the palm of my hands, I could be a stand-up. It's not that hard. And Kevin Hart's like Shh, wrestling. I could do that. That's not that hard. Like you just they give you a all... script. They tell you what to do. I've acted. I could do that. Yeah. And so that's what they have to learn. That's the change of heart from the title. Is that you know they both have a an appreciation, a newfound appreciation for what the other guy does. And then the end of the movie is the red carpet for like the sequel to Ride Along or whatever buddy cop movie they've done before. And they finally respect each other. I thought the main I thought the ending was that they have to like main event a pay-per-view as a tag team against uh, the New Day. Yeah, that's it. Never mind. My <laughs> idea sucks. Um, <laughs> they have to do both on back-to-back nights. Oh, yeah, because that was the thing. They, they were trying to get each other to cancel the other one to go to whatever the thing was. And that's, right. that was the whole disagreement was about which was more important and which was more frivolous. And then they have to do both. Master of both worlds. Boom. That is a tight script. That is a, that is, oh man, that's <laughs> Hollywood. Holler at your boys. Yeah, come on. We will yeah. write this movie. You want to save movie theaters? Just throw, throw some money our way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get us, those butts in a, the seats. Give us a little Skrilla and we'll, we'll get this done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fool's gold. Okay. Where, um, where do we have anything else that we want to that stands out to you? We we should probably pivot soon. Um, yeah, just generally, just it it um, because even the comedy I thought was just another thing was just like totally inconsistent because there are parts of it like uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner getting shot or the sort of grisly but comedically grisly death of the other henchmen there that were like sort of black comedy, you know, like dark humor, gallows humor. But then there was like slapstick. And people getting hit in the nuts and, you know, um, stuff like that. And I felt that, like, they only half-assed the uh, the sort of jealousy angle with um, Gemma and Matthew McConaughey and, like, 
I kind of like that, though, because I, I sort of enjoyed that they didn't. I, I didn't really want that. I, I thought that's what they were setting up was more like a love triangle kind of thing. And I was sort of glad that they didn't. I actually thought what they did. I, I'll tell you what. I want to talk about Gemma when we get to the silver linings because I she was a silver lining for me. But Oh, for uh, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought it was a more interesting thing. I think they definitely could have done a love triangle thing, but I thought having the scene but it, maybe this speaks to your tonal thing a little bit too of like but the scene where her and donald sutherland kind of had it out about you know he him talking about how just like her mom she only wants money and her kind of laying into him about you know well what did you want you you married this young waitress you know and, and like i don't know i thought that was such a fascinating choice in this movie to like really do something kind of unexpected to kind of add a dimension to Gemma, who up until that point had very much uh, been a very delightful, but like sort of a one note. I am very self-absorbed, you know, character. Yeah, I think I think my problem with it is that it just seemed like they it seemed like they decided that the better choice is like you said, to not have like the love triangle jealousy angle fully play out, but then like didn't go back and adjust to sort of make the flirting more innocent. It felt like they, it just felt like they backed off on a plan that they had rather than um, alter the script accordingly. Cause I, I like that it wasn't a love triangle because then McConaughey gets automatic. His character gets automatically less likable because it seems like he's playing uh, Gemma to make Kate jealous and that's just a shitty move. So I think it's the right choice, but I think that the movie handled it poorly. Yeah, I'd be I would wonder what was cut from this movie if because it does feel like there's some things, some gaps, like I said, with the Gemma and Alfonso thing at the end, like maybe there's a lot on the cutting room floor. Maybe there was reshoots. It, it does feel a little like maybe some choices were made. And things were planned to go one way, but went a different way. And, you know, maybe there were adjustments tone wise or something. But, yeah, it's I think we're all kind of hitting on the same thing of like some of the issues with the movie. Uh, is uh, there? Yeah. Is there anything else? I, I'm I'm feeling pretty no, good. I was, yeah, I, I was going to say, let's. Uh, and since she's already kind of in the conversation, let's start with uh, Alex Diana as um, as Gemma. I adore this character oh, so yeah. much. Like she plays it to a T the second she showed up I I loved it she like plays it the exact right way I love her enthusiasm I love uh the depth that they actually got out of like I said a character that could very much be one-dimensional no but she's so much fun and it, it really worked I thought it was a good idea to sort of explain why Donald Sutherland is doing this and it's because he has no way to connect with his daughter, but she wants to do this either because she's sincerely interested in the treasure or because she thinks Matthew McConaughey is hot, but either way. Or because she's bored and wants something to do. Yeah. But either way, no, it, it, it works. And, uh, I don't, I, I've seen, um, Alex Diana in a handful of things and she's always really good. She was really good. In Nick and Nora's infinite playlist as Triss. Um, she was, one of the best parts of the last season of Entourage, which is a garbage show for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, like she's, she delivers and she's played a, a variety of parts because um, E's girlfriend, who I think she played on Entourage is different than Triss in um, 
Nick and Nora's is different. You know, they're all kind of a little bit spoiled rich girl, but when you look like she looks, you're going to get cast as a spoiled, spoiled rich girl a decent percentage of the time. Yeah. But I think she's, I think she does a really good job. And I was really, I really liked what she did in this movie. And I, she got several sincere, like hearty laughs out of me for various scenes, including like when she was waving at everyone from the deck of the boat to distract them and then sees Matthew just McConaughey. dimes out McConaughey. Yeah. Like it's just of, yeah. Of finding her strengths and then immediately pivoting to also <laughs> her weaknesses as a character. Uh, but no, she, I, I love her in this movie so much. Like, yeah, I thought she was great. So I, I definitely wanted to highlight her specifically. Yeah, no, I think I think she was she was a this movie actually has a lot of really talented actors in it and um, doing a lot of really good stuff, too. Like I, I enjoy every I and I mean, hey, look, I I get why they keep casting McConaughey and Kate Hudson opposite each other because they do have really good chemistry. And when uh, it was time, for, like, I think they did a good job with it really like kind of finding like because it is a tough thing and we've watched a lot of movies where you know we talked about like the dog who saves christmas where a lot of times if you're doing this kind of dynamic where the guy's a man child and the woman uh is fed up with it that she ends up becoming sort of shrewish shrewish or like a wet blanket you know and no it it honestly all really tracked for me and and made sense like she's attracted to the guy she she clearly has a fondness for him she also is into the treasure hunting part like you understand that it's not like right she's adventurous yeah it's not rocky or something where he wants to box and she doesn't think he should she wants to treasure hunt it's just we treasure hunted for eight years you destroyed our credit you never pivoted to anything else like i'm trying to be a ba- i'm trying to make a better life for myself yeah and and honestly i kind of loved at the end when they're in the water together and he says what is the exact line he says something about like i'll change marry me and she goes no you won't but yes yeah and that's I, great that like, was a great line yeah because that the movie and that sums up the relationship i mean that's like that's it yeah it was more about her it wasn't that he needed to change because he's not going to change. It was more about her w- just deciding that she was willing <laughs> to sort of, because it, and the thing is, it's made clear from the beginning, from the opening scene, she's coming to get a divorce, but she's sort of heartbroken about the fact that he he's not there when she shows up for the divorce. Like right. the idea that she could get this divorce without ever seeing him is something she wants to see him again. Like that's made very clear. Right. And it's and it's also made pretty clear that she's getting a divorce because it's the right thing, not necessarily the thing she wants to do. Well, yeah, she wants to go back to school. Her credit's completely destroyed. Like the only thing she can do to start moving on to something else is to be divorced from this guy. She also thinks that through the divorce, she's going to be able to sell the boat, which has burned up in the opening scene, which we didn't talk about that. But that was a odd choice to start the movie. And that's, yeah, just a weird, and it was like slapsticky. When also and like, f- not even just slapsticky, but just like, what 
what reality is this in that a boat burns up that way? Like it's a piece of paper or it's a bag or whatever. It's almost shot like, like American beauty where we're like following the thing that flies. And in. it's sort of Rube Goldberg's its way into sinking. Yeah. It was a very odd choice and it wasn't like, yeah, they didn't do it. It seemed like an act of God almost at their boat. Burned well, yeah, up. there was like the uh, compressor they were using for their air tank was like in bad shape. And that caught some papers on fire, which caught the boat on fire, which caught the engine on fire, which sunk the boat. And then, like, you thought, you kind of gave you the sense that McConaughey was going to be a doofus character even more than he was, because he doesn't notice the boat sink because he's so um, obsessed by finding the plate. But either way, we're, we're silver lining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, I know, I dug the gay chefs. Oh, they were great. No, they were Dug them, big time. They were really wonderful. Like just that that choice made me so happy because like when they just like it felt very you and I both do improv. That felt like such an improv choice that just felt really strong of these are just the sort of characters that exist because uh Kate Hudson needs a sounding board. And they're not really super developed. They're just kind of there. But the choice to make them a couple gave them so much more to play. And it was the right choice. And yeah, I thought that was great. And and I would even say for 2008, especially, that it wasn't played for laughs that these two sort of big burly guys were gay or anything like that. Like that wasn't the source of the humor at all. No, it was, and I, I loved it too, like, that the the one guy, the whole thing that, like, from that first scene is he's very emphatic of, like, like they're kind of telling her, no, Finn's bad for you because of how you feel, but, like, this is how I feel every morning when I wake up next to him, and I am so lucky to be with this man who I adore, and it was like, that's a strong character choice, and I'm, I'm Yeah, it, it. I loved it. I was, I was, I was, I was there for it. I, I think they were... Um, they were a nice sort of like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern type, like side character, you know, they served their purpose. They weren't incredibly well-developed, but they gave them a thing and they, they took that thing and, and, and I think ran with it in a way that it was, it was, it was delightful and showed a lot more of a deft touch than most, uh, rom-coms in 2008 do when dealing with homosexuality, I would say. Oh no. Yeah, that is for sure. Uh, but yeah, they were great. I mean, we already talked. I mean, we did, like I said, we did this in the opening. McConaughey is great. The movie's a lot of fun, uh, for sure. And even with the weird choice of the British accent, Donald Sutherland is still Donald Sutherland. I mean. Yeah, and he does add a lot of, uh, you know, just sort of, I don't even know what he adds, but it's just uh, gravitas, honestly, I think is the word yeah. I'm like. So, like, he. He makes everything feel like it has more weight just by him being the one who's listening uh, to their their story about the gold and such. Yeah. Uh, I, sorry, we're at this point. One thing that I, I would have brought up earlier if I had remembered it. I like at the end that they give the money to um, a museum. That seemed like a cool choice. But considering how much of the movie was about financial problems, I would have liked to understood that choice a little bit better. Yeah, yeah I think... I'm sure that they were that it maybe got the sense maybe they built the museum because they're cutting the ribbon on it. So maybe they own the museum. But yeah, it's well, they sort of made a big. Well, obviously, I mean, like uh, he seems to owe all his money to Kevin Hart, who I presume died. We didn't actually see him die, but we saw him fall from a plane into the water and could presume that he died. Uh, but that was the mistake he made about McConaughey. So you can't be sure. Uh, yeah. But it, it seems like that he was the person that they owed money to and that he's out of the picture. 
but yeah, I still she still like wanted money for. I mean, the end kind of fast forwards a little bit. They get remarried, but we don't really understand right if their um, issues that were established in the first act are resolved or not. Yeah, but even uh, but to just hit one more silver lining, I liked the the sort of the third act of the the action sequence and the plane, and I thought that all that was really well done and. Oh, McConaughey fl- interestingly shot action scene, but it was it was I liked it. No, I like McConaughey fly in the plane. I like that they did it a bit more grounded. Like the way that they landed the plane on the water wasn't the cinematic action movie choice. It was more the way to average characters who are trying to get this plane to land might actually land a plane where it sort of flipped and landed hard in the water. I thought that was more interesting to do it that way. Yeah, it um Yeah, I think I think we have to definitely stress this isn't a good movie. Uh we've raved about it a little bit, but I think that is more in in comparison to Cats and Doolittle and Wonder Woman 84, the other movies oh. we've watched so far in 2021. Hey, I take this as a silver lining if you want. It is easily the best movie we have watched so far in 2021. So, yeah. I stand by that unequivocally yeah uh and like i said it's better than the metacritic slash rotten tomato scores would lead you to believe it it's fun it's yeah it's not you You know know, watching this movie i would have expected to be somewhere in the 50s yeah but no it's it's highly enjoyable it i would say and i don't i swear i don't mean this as a backhanded compliment this is a great movie to put on if you're like making dinner or like yeah oh no 100 percent. or like you got something or else folding to do laundry you, or yeah you, you, know. you gotta fold some laundry this is a great movie to put on for sure it, it's a lot of fun it's two hours that fly by for sure and and yeah, mcconaughey no, this, is this peak is mcconaughey peak mcconaughey peak hudson why not and peak hudson no she's really great too no i i really enjoyed her like i said i really got what her thing was in this and the two of them together are very charming together mm-hmm so I, th- I think we did it. Yeah. No, we we for sure did it. We like I said, we did it seven minutes in. We're yeah, we're only true. we're only getting stronger, you know. And I I'm beginning to fear Andy that really the only thing that can destroy us is our own hubris. Um, but I think by fearing that, I put that off for a little. We, bit. We've delayed it for at least six months when the uh, the the fat check to write heart to heart come or change of heart comes in. <laughs> Yeah, the day that I no longer fear that we'll be destroyed by our own hubris is undoubtedly when we will. So that's... Oh, God, and then there's a sequel to the movie between a rock and a heart place. Oh, my... Dude, come on. <laughs> come, just write those checks, Hollywood. Holler at your boys, Hollywood. That was a freebie. That was just an extra off-the-cuff. We now have a franchise. Man. Holler at your boys. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why... There's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast 
on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.